Hey everyone, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky joined, very excited, by the hosts of the Spinsters podcast. It's brand new and it's very, very fun. And we've been enjoying listening to it. Jordan Liggins and Haley O'Shaughnessy. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. We appreciate it. How are you? No, thanks for having us. Doing well, doing well. Congrats on the new show. It's it's already getting a lot of buzz and a lot of attention. Thank you. It's Thank you. Weird, but thank you. <laughs> we were just talking about that. It's kind of weird, but we are so appreciative of everyone who subscribed and listened and given us feedback and left voicemails that are so fun. And we just keep listening to them and have, you know, demanded that Jordan's Aunt Charlene comes back on, which is like something that, that we that were hoping caught awesome. on anyway. It was great. <laughs> where where does she live? Where where is she from? She's originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, but she lives in the Bay, Leo, California. How did, how did she end up a Celtics? Thank fan? you, Andy. That was my question. Yes. So it's actually a really funny story, and I know she's probably going to tell it one show. But um, from Tulsa, she moved to San Diego. And so she was a Lakers fan for the longest time. And she knows that me and my dad are both Laker fans. So she loves to tell this story. But during those years when the Lakers and Celtics were going back and forth, she was tired of losing as a Lakers fan. So she said, I don't know exactly what year it was, oh. but it was a late Lakers Celtics championship game. And she said, if the Lakers lose this game, I'm going to be a Celtics fan. And that's how she oh, became no. a Celtics I, I, fan. I know you're not supposed to do that. Like you're really not <laughs> supposed to do it that way. But I kind of respect that she did it that way. It's like, you know what? I am a, she sees herself as a winner, I'm sure, and yeah. wants to be associated with that. Um, it's, it's yeah, and to be fair, story. she stuck with the Celtics through some of their downs too. So it's not like she's a uh, fair weather fan. She's well, I like, mean, you know what? I'm switching. And then she stuck with it. Look, it's <laughs> one thing to bandwagon jump, but I would say, like, if you're going to do it, like truly go to the dark side. And this was real. I mean, this was like some Darth Vader shit. I like know. Jumping from like the Lakers to the Celtics. If you're going to abandon ship, I actually <laughs> respect going that extreme. Like that there's, it, that's it. kind of admirable in its own right. I love it. I know. So even when she was on the podcast and she said she was a fan since the eighties, my dad was trying to fact check her and she was like, I feel like it was way before that, but she's been watching basketball forever, um, but became a Celtics fan in the 80s. So it's a great story. Yeah, an odd one, but a great one. Now, I'm, <laughs> now all I can think of is like, you know, how different Star Wars would have been if Luke Skywalker, as they were leaving, was like, no, nah, I'm just going to stay on the Death Star. We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm just stay right here. So, you guys, you really, truly just launched. And Haley, you mentioned the voicemail thing. Mm -hmm. How the, the, nobody leaves voicemails anymore. Have you found it all like people struggle with that? Because, I mean, like, especially when they know it might be played for people to hear. No, I think that's, you know, part of the cool aspect of it is that we're very much listening. We're very much engaging. And we want to hear what people say. And mm -hmm. also, you know, going along with the title of the show, our whole thing was like, 
spinsters. You know, it's definitely a play on word, but we also are embracing the fact that like our dream is to just be on a porch together one day and talk about <laughs> the game that just happened. So the voicemails is like we're taking it back all the way. Might as well stay true to the title. Have you? When was the last time you left anybody a voicemail? I love voicemails. I leave really, voicemails all the time and I really? love receiving them. People do it on purpose for me. Yeah, we voice notes each other all the time, which I don't think is that different. But also my mom leaves me voicemails all the time and it's it's always the same thing. And like she's on Eastern time, so I'm sure she's not going to see this. But <laughs> it's it's my favorite thing ever because it's always like, hey, Haley, it's mom. Call me back. Okay, love you. And it's like. It's the same thing every time. Oh. I've never deleted a single one. I actually like bought more storage <laughs> just to keep <laughs> oh. them. But yeah, they're my favorite thing. So I don't leave them very often because I want, I'd just rather text so people know who it is. Because usually I feel like if it's a voicemail, it's somebody who I'm reaching out to. But I do love the idea of them very much. And the ones we've gotten are so fun. We yeah. can't, we cannot get our mom to learn how to text like because we keep trying to explain to her like this would make it so much easier to get hold of us because there are times where she calls either one and it's she'll always call one of us and then if the one can't pick up she immediately calls the other so there'll be times <laughs> like where we're working on something and my phone will ring and i'll just look over and i'm like she's about to call you and <laughs> within a minute she's calling brian but we've tried to explain to her like you'll actually be able to get your answer taken care of quicker if you would just text us and she won't do it like she just refuses to learn how to do it she she's basically frightened she's gonna break the phone like <laughs> I, i'm not even joking it, it's you gotta it's do a, what works for you well unfortunately i'll that tell you what if she leaves we, voicemails we have a number for her to call <laughs> oh she'll do that yeah okay I just, i'm gonna I, actually I, follow up with you guys on that because our favorite voicemails have been from uh, <laughs> women who have, you know, are, are over 40, it sounds like, which I mean, are she's delightful. probably gonna, she's Our probably gonna over 40. Yes, <laughs> yes she is. <laughs> she is a woman of her age. <laughs> she wanted to be polite. <laughs> she's probably gonna she's call. Like, doesn't look a day over that. <laughs> she, she's probably gonna call seeing if, like, either one of you know where we are. Or like if you can leave a, <laughs> like leave a message for us. <laughs> That'll be the best. <laughs> she would be, she'd be very frightened. You would use it. Yeah. Oh, we that's would. True. That's a, that. You know, that's part of the game. But uh, I, I do think a lot of people are are down with that, and you know, certain takes need to be heard, and maybe oh, you I don't, I don't get the opportunity. I, I, this is this is totally just one hundred percent a thing with me. Like I. I, I, there was that, there was a period where you really, nobody really, texting really wasn't a big thing. So you actually called people and left people voicemails, like back, you know, really back in the day, like people had answering machines. Um, and then it became, there was like a weird bridge time between texting being common and voicemails being thing. Like then nobody was leaving voicemails. I am so bad at voicemails. I have always been bad at voicemails. I, that, and that, that period of time where you couldn't text someone and needed to leave messages was right when I first got to LA and I was still trying to date. And that was the most horrifying part ever was leaving the <laughs> voicemail for the person that you didn't know that well, but you like, I just, I have, I have a, what, what does bad at voicemails mean? What does that? Have you, you seen went swingers? on and on forever? You know, that scene in swingers? <laughs> no, I don't think I, oh, I don't, I'm not has, a big movie person. Okay. It's, well, there's a great scene in swingers where, 
it's Favreau, right? Right, Andy? Where he's leaving yeah, the it's John Favreau. Yeah, John Favreau's leaving a voicemail for the girl that he met at the bar. And like just it like leaves a voicemail that it like dings and he doesn't finish it and he keeps leaving and it ends up being this incredibly long, horrifying <laughs> experience that ultimately <laughs> involves him like basically breaking up with her at the end of like the last of 57 voicemails that he it's like, but that's that was just awkward. Oh, no. I, I couldn't and, do it. And he, he he had met her like three hours, two hours before that. <laughs> like <laughs> and he goes through this whole string and finds like, look, it it's not you, it's me. Like I'm just coming off a dip. And finally she just picks up and says, Don't ever call me again. <laughs> like, oh, you're well, home. The <laughs> yeah. trick is to press pound if you're not satisfied with your voicemail. Uh, can so. you still do that though? Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't. Hey, you learn something every day. I had no yep. idea. You, okay. you can't, you can, but then the problem is it starts turning into like a writing exercise <laughs> where you're basically self-editing and you start becoming really, really critical. Like it'll be like three or four minutes and it's like, dude, just leave the damn message. Like it's not that important, but you, you start is more. Yeah. You just start self-editing, self-criticizing. It's, it's horrible. But so you, you guys now, like for people who have not heard the show yet, how, how would you describe this particular basketball show and like the vibe of it, what, what you guys want the listeners to be taken away? Well, we're trying to do a bunch of different things that basically are all rooted in things that Jordan and I have always been interested in. And I guess the bet is that hoping that other people are interested in them as well. Sometimes we just need to talk about what we saw over the weekend because we're fascinated. Sometimes we have things that we've been working on and dive have have um you know, reported ourselves. And then sometimes we have contributors who are coming on the show and telling us stories. So as we're, we love storytelling. That's probably um, one of the things that we identified at the beginning of creating this podcast is that we really wanted to try to do that in a, a new way for basketball podcasts. And we also just love hanging out and talking to each other. And a big thing was like, what if we just share what we were texting about all weekend? <laughs> Jordan, do you have anything to add? I, I hope I didn't mess that up. We've like been through this, like, okay, let's explain what the podcast is. Pa podcast is, and every time it's been like a different answer from me, but <laughs> hopefully no, that, was, that made sense. Yeah, that was exactly right. I was going to say, you know, the best compliment is that you feel like you're in a room with us, you know, just a fly on the wall as we're just having a conversation. Um, but also with the narrative ones, uh, we really want to bring that mix where we can have a, you know, audio magazine type vibe that we're trying right. to come off. So um, some of those, some of our curiosities, just being able to dive deeper into those is so fun. And putting that to a podcast is, is the best. So we just hope that comes across and that you have fun with us through the whole time. And yeah. It's a good time. Trust no, us. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it absolutely. Uh, and again, people should be subscribing to Spinsters everywhere podcasts are available. So you guys, Jordan, you are a big Laker fan, as we established before. And Haley, you are something of a LeBron stan, correct? Yes. Yeah, I love LeBron. I, I, But there's always teams I attach to every year. There's players I attach to over the years as well. So, But he's always been my favorite. So when people ask, instead of giving that long spiel I just did, I usually just say LeBron. 
<laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're you're allowed to you're allowed to like more than one. Like you're not nope. you're not one <laughs> eating on it. One. <laughs> but, That's so, how I like, feel. I, I I was talking about this with Andy. We were kind of texting back and forth about this. Like the LeBron, I, I the the LeBron experience in LA has been fan, I, I, fantastic, and the appreciation you get from being able to watch him every day. But I I, I no longer like watching him have to carry teams. Um, mm. It's not now. It's fun in the playoffs. Not now. So, like Jordan, when you're watching this, you know the Lakers beat Indiana tonight. It's a good win, but like they have to grind for every single bucket. It's really kind of painful to watch. You saw what was going on before the uh, the All Star break. We spent like 38 minutes a night. Is is that fun? <laughs> Are you enjoying it's not. that? It's not. I that was a little bit of a spoiler alert because I we. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my dad, but he's still watching the game because we paused it. So he's like behind. Um, so he's going to be very happy that we win this game because it was horrible to watch. It was like grinding teeth to score the basketball. Why is it so hard for us to make points? Um, and without, and I was, I was the same way. If you take LeBron off the floor to rest him, we would have five points a night. Like we literally cannot score without AD or LeBron on the floor at any point in time. So as much as I don't want him to, to play, you know, high minutes, we need to save his body for the playoffs. I'm like, okay, we have to at least make it to the playoffs. So please stay on the floor so that people can at least get a shot. Fingers crossed. I don't know. It's painful. I feel like with most teams, you can say, okay, let's pull back a little bit for the sake of having to have a long playoff run. Let's think ahead. But with the Lakers, even with the good position that they're in now in the Western Conference, a pulling back is not really an option. And I totally agree with you guys. This goes back to Cleveland. It's not fun to watch him carry teams to this extent because what's on my mind the entire time is like – Somehow he got into a wrestling match with time and is winning, but time comes for us all. And I don't want to speed that up by him piling on these minutes right now. And Jordan, I, you should say what, what we were talking about earlier about it not being the most fun to watch Anthony Davis. And I think that also plays into like worrying for LeBron, but mm -hmm. I, you should, I want uh, them to hear that because it was such a good point. Yeah, so we were talking about, you know, what players are a joy to watch. And someone was talking about AD, and I completely disagreed because in this really? household, we call him the glass man. And so my anxiety oh. is on a thousand <laughs> watching Anthony Davis play basketball because every time he hits the floor, you're like, oh, God, is it his pinky toe? Is it his finger like what is has him on the ground for 20 are you minutes. are you doing the soft thing are you calling anthony davis no, I'm not. soft <laughs> i didn't use those words i said <laughs> i mean we have high anxiety you went when soft he plays. go ask go ask your dad is he calling him soft <laughs> i think i heard I somebody say, yelling I, soft from the background, in the background. <laughs> i think it's a lot like Embiid, where you can appreciate him fully and say this is amazing, but you kind of always have in the back of your mind and it, there is a high anxiety with watching him. I mean, we saw that tonight. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. his knee went backwards and with another player, you're like, this seems serious. I hope that he works it out with Embiid. You're like, no, this is actually serious. And that's the same as with Anthony Davis with both of them. It's the same. Like 
their teams absolutely need them. And so that's also why it's like, it's a high anxiety to watch them. So I think what Jordan's saying is, is accurate. And I don't think soft is a bad thing. I think we should just establish that. It's a good trait. No, it, it's a good trait to have, and I will stand by that forever. Well, I mean, look, I, I I agree with you, except I don't think what Jordan was implying with you know the soft adjacent assessment of Anthony Davis was like that he was in touch with either his feminine side or that you know he that he allows himself to be vulnerable publicly or anything that's not what she was we referring support you, to. AD. We support that that's movies. the case. <laughs> I will say though every time he falls and he falls a lot all the time ter- it's like it's a contract incentive. Like if he falls a certain amount of times he gets a bonus or something like and like props to you, clutch if they put that in. Yeah, you clinch every time that happens. And that oh, happens it's... 50 times a game. <laughs> so that's why I'm totally okay that he's not playing. Just sit this out. Let's hope that we can make it to the playoffs. You'll carry us through there. But I I have those same feelings with LeBron a little bit. I'm like, okay, let's just, if it gets a little dicey, I'm like, all right, just sit out. It's okay. We can lose this one. Not by a lot. Just sit out so you that you're safe. I just want everyone safe. <laughs> That's yeah, same. It's a, it's this season is way different too. I mean, they said it yeah. before All Star. They are tired. That extends to their bodies. Like mm-hmm. I'm. I hope we're all in this group still taking like the daily walk we're supposed to be taking. I just got a dog. That's the only reason I'm doing it is because we literally have to go outside. But like I'm, if I'm too tired to take a walk, I can't imagine playing that much every night and it is kind of a contrast with LeBron I mean now it's in our head he's older this won't last forever he's playing so many minutes he's having to carry this team but throughout his career I've never had the same fear when he goes down I'm like he's going to get up Mm -hmm. when AD goes down I don't know that for sure and oftentimes (laughs) it's not true (laughs) man LeBron now when 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 you see him start having to to carry a team at this age and like this particular period because without AD and you know even to a lesser degree Gasol and tonight Caruso because he got hurt during the game oh that was like brutal oh that was God. horrible oh like it starts making me feel old like I, like I start becoming aware of how old LeBron is which makes me feel older like I start becoming aware of my own body aches and stuff like that like West Matthews took a charge in this game that he looked every bit of like 35 or 36 when he got up. Like it was like, that should have been worth two offensive fouls from that guy. He just, he looked just torn up. And I think they said um, on the broadcast, they were saying uh, when LeBron was on the free throw line, that miles Turner went to LeBron's camp for four years straight while he was in high school and then I just started looking at LeBron like sideways. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you've been at this for a while. <laughs> he's playing with Gen Zers. Like, you know, he's <laughs> cross-generation basketball. Yeah. I, I mean, he's he's played so long that I, I have to remind people all the time, like, millennials are not the young people anymore. Not that, you know, millennials are old people. But, like, when people talk about, oh, the young people coming out of college and joining the workforce, those are not millennials. Um, like it's LeBron true. has played across an entire generation <laughs> of human beings. Like that's crazy. And he's still arguably the best player in basketball. Yeah. That's the crazy yeah. part. Yeah. 
That's, hey, you asked the question, who who do I support? This is why he's my answer. <laughs> How common do you think that is, though? Because I, I was thinking about this as, you know, you, you said on the show that that's sort of a very millennial way of looking at the NBA as you sort of follow players more than you follow um, teams. And I think that's really common across the league. I'm a little older, but like I, that's how I do it because I didn't grow up with the NBA. The first time I ever started caring about the NBA was when I moved out here and was working for ESPN the magazine and somebody was paying me to care about it. And now <laughs> I really like it. I just, I, we, we didn't have the NBA in St. Louis. Well, it's the so, same with me, Kentucky. Kentucky and Indiana is, is where home is. So that's but, but those are the same at least with both me. Like, those are at least like basketball country though. Yes, absolutely basketball. I was obsessed with college basketball and that's actually why I switched over to the mm -hmm. NBA and switched over like, a, you know, I still love college basketball, but um, I, I've told Jordan this story before, had a boyfriend in high school, watched Kevin Durant because he was a huge Texas fan, loved Kevin Durant, was like, I have to keep watching him, dumped the boyfriend, kept Kevin Durant, and that's how I became an NBA fan. So I, hey, I am with you. It's similar origins. Did the relationship end over Durant or like was just a coincidence? <laughs> No, it was just that one of them, one of them was a joy to uh, watch, and I guess not literally be around. But and then the other one just kind of was the complete opposite. So one of them felt good, and then the other one was turned just out a to be more Greg person. Oden than Durant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are just tall and imperfect, I guess. Um, what 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 do you think though? Though what I, what I think is interesting about that though is just how do you think that impacts the way we kind of talk about the league, the way. People take it in. There's this constant battle of, you know, are enough people watching it? And, you know, all these things when we, but like, do you find that to be like sort of the a more common way, at least in basketball, that people follow it and, and, and root for it where they're really attached to players more than they are teams? Well, I'm interested to hear, I want to hear what Jordan thinks about this because she did grow up a Lakers fan. So she was, you know, she is, I guess, one of the, I wouldn't say exceptions. I don't think it's like the majority or anything, mm -hmm. but um, I think definitely what you're saying, it is more common. I don't know if this is, I don't know what this says about our generation. I don't know if this is like an overarching theme that people do say like, Hey, we're less loyal to certain workplaces now. And yeah, that's, that's opposite than how it was. Yeah. So I think there Attachment are, it does issues. align. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's more about supporting people who we, want to support so but I don't know Jordan what do you think because you you did grow up with a team yeah that's I was gonna say I was born a Lakers fan and it was it was more about the team rivalry especially I'm from Sacramento so being a Lakers fan <laughs> I don't I don't blame you for Kings your choice territory I know we're winners over here you know on showing yes like when you're when you're when your aunt chooses the Celtics over the Lakers <laughs> from out like from San Diego you're like eh when you choose the Lakers over the Kings from Sacramento everybody's like well that's just smart yeah well that just makes sense right <laughs> Um, but it was still, you know, my grandparents lived in Sacramento and they were Kings fans. So it was more of a team versus team rivalry growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course, you know, we were Kobe fans. Like that's who we were. We loved Kobe. So I, I had to think about that a couple of times. If Kobe were to ever leave the Lakers, I think I would follow Kobe. Like, mm -hmm. I think I would have followed Kobe because I was that big of a fan. But I just happened to have my favorite player already on my team. So 
that I I can't relate. Okay, well, I mean, you actually almost had two opportunities to to test that with Kobe because he came close, close to leaving in 04 mm-hmm. and then he famously demanded a trade in 2007 and there was a lot of tension hanging out. Brian and I covered that team. There's a lot of tension hanging over that team until uh, eventually Andrew Bynum started playing really well and then they made the Gasol trade and, and all that stuff. But like, were you mentally preparing yourself at all for like the idea of, well, I'm I'm traveling with Kobe wherever he's going. That That's my guy. Well, um, I'm going to show my age a little bit here, but um, I was in seventh Jordan, grade. You're, you're the youngest one here. <laughs> I know. That's what I say. I was, I was in seventh grade. Um, <laughs> for a second, I thought you were going to reveal, like, I am actually far older than I look. I am 63 I just use a old. lot of wrinkle-free, you know, I've been into skincare forever. Look, you guys I, know I've black don't crack, so long I could be any, popular. I could be any age. I could be any age. Look. Some people think I'm in high school. Some people think I'm older. You never know. Jordan went I, to high school with Eisenhower. Very, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I was there when Kareem arrived. I was there when Magic arrived. So she I actually like, switched I... with Aunt Shirley and then switched back. <laughs> <laughs> but I put in my okay. time, damn it. All right, so now go ahead and make me angry. When were you in seventh grade? <laughs> yeah, I was in seventh grade in 2007. So oh, I, <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, that was a big moment. We kind of sat around the dinner table. I was like, so when right. did somebody tell you this happened with Kobe? <laughs> well, before you were able to keep up. I was keeping up, you know, I, okay. I played basketball since I was five. So I okay. loved, loved basketball and watched it my whole life in, um, with my brother, with my dad. So when that time came, it was, it was a moment I was going to make a life decision in seventh grade, but I I knew my loyalty was with Kobe and thankfully he stayed and my loyalty could stay with the Lakers, but it would have been, I don't know. It would have been a toss up. I think that would have been the only time that maybe my, my fandom would have been tested. You know, it's interesting to me and people wrote about this and talked about it, but I always wish it had been um, dug into a little deeper is that when LeBron came to the Lakers, it was kind of a jarring identity switch for a lot of people because they've been pitted against each other their entire career. So then you're saying this, you know, he's kind of like anti what the Lakers, I don't want to say stood for, but like supported. And Mm -hmm. I think it really took Kobe saying, no, this is a wonderful thing and we should, you know, welcome him for, for a lot of people to come around. I don't think all Lakers fans have came around, but it does help. The, the title does help. Well, Kobe, yeah, Kobe is the ultimate that. example of the fan who whose first loyalty is to the player and not the team. We, Andy and I have covered the Lakers for a long time now and can absolutely 100% say, like, there's overlap in the Venn diagram, but there's a circle of Kobe fans and there was a circle of Laker fans. Mm-hmm. And they did not necessarily overlap. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people in L.A. that were yeah. still more loyal to Kobe than they were than they were to the franchise. Yeah, so actually, like what Jordan is saying, although you probably will always have a, a spot in your heart for the Lakers and would have, even if Kobe had left, like what you're saying is that Kobe was actually a big driver of the, you know, p- support players rather than teams, but he just happened to be on the same team his entire career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, we saw that a lot, that reaction from Lakers. 
Sorry. That's okay. Bedtime <laughs> alarm. It's an adorable <laughs> ring. Yes, yeah, so right? isn't it cute? <laughs> no, it's, it's my alarm. <laughs> I thought it was it your dad texting that they won. No, but he's gonna be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like we like, w- there was that perceived rivalry that you know that never really manifested between Kobe and LeBron because we were supposed to get these showdowns in the playoffs that ultimately never ended up happening for a, a variety of different reasons. But like there, there were a lot of Laker fans, like you were saying, Haley, like pretty hostile at the idea and kind of defensive at the idea of LeBron coming over and like the idea that that would somehow threaten Kobe's legacy with the organization, which we kept trying to tell fans like that's LeBron may end up going down as the better player of all time. Like, in you know, in these, fake rankings that don't really matter, but like the consensus, he will never displace Kobe in, in the ranking of great Lakers. Like I'm, we were telling me like, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like he would base it. He would have to reel off like seven titles in a row to even be in that conversation. Like Kobe has way too much institutional gravity, but also too, I think what really, and it's awful that these are the circumstances what really helped LeBron with that fan base was just the way he shepherded everything through after Kobe's death. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I, I think that was really a moment for LeBron when he really became connected to the organization because that first season he he was very outwardly disconnected from from the Lakers and it was palpable and and it was something that fans noticed and they didn't like and and. LeBron really took on that responsibility after Kobe's death of of moving things forward under under terrible circumstances. And again, it's it's horrible that that's what it was. But I think that was really in a, in a lot of ways the moment that he arrived for Laker fans. Yeah, and I'm in that. I was definitely a part of that because I am on record saying that I don't love LeBron James but I definitely had like this come to Jesus moment like after Kobe's passing it was like it's not worth it like you are are taking on this leadership role I think he just handled that so well and I mean he's a great person off the court the issue with LeBron James off the court but um I was definitely that fan to say you know what you're you're a part of the Lakers family now like we're all going through this together. That was a horrible, horrible thing. So, uh, yeah, I was in that group. Well, I'm glad you came around. <laughs> yeah, I also did. We got a wing. As, it's as simple as like the first year it was bad. The second year it was good. So mm-hmm. the Lakers, I think Lakers fans obviously care about winning and have um, what's the right polite way to say this so Jordan doesn't leave our show. Um, <laughs> feel a little bit of like. The Lakers, we, Lakers fans we are entitled to win. We are used to winning. We should yes. always be in the running, which is a, a totally fair thing. I think a lot of fan bases feel we should always be in the running because we've proven that we can be competent um, in multiple areas to make that happen. So I also think the first year was not great with uh, LeBron winning people over because it was concerning. And everyone was like, wait, is this our future? Are we going to – how are they ever going to – 
play together. These guys are too young. Lonzo Ball's not panning out like we thought he was. So I think well, it was a mix of a Well, in that things. sense, LeBron actually agreed with the fans because it was pretty <laughs> obvious he wanted those Ship guys. Him out. He was like, get him out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the one thing they all agreed on. Was like, no, we, we want Anthony Davis just as much as you do. Yeah. I mean, Jordan, are, are you at all offended by the the uh, expression that, that Haley was sort of dancing around of like deep and um, uh, irritating sense of entitlement? <laughs> no, I, I did not say irritating. <laughs> do not start. Do not start something on this. I no, deep, I'm very not irritating. I'm, happy I'm, not even, I'm not even scared to admit it. Like we are a winning program. We have to win, and that's our bar. That's our standard. That's that's what I like to be surrounded by. We're winners. So if you're not doing that, then we have a problem. And if it's not looking like we're gonna have a winning season, I'm upset. So that's yeah. I don't. I'm not even ashamed of that. It was coming off the back of a lot of bad seasons too, which is also important context. We don't have people. Fans, fans were impatient. Yeah, we don't have to bring those up. Let's not bring those up. Trust me, Andy and I did post game shows for like that entire stretch of time. Oh my god, awful. (laughs) Yeah, and they were like, "Why can't you guys say more nice things about the team?" And we're like, "Well, how come you can't win more than 18 times a year?" It's like, yeah, we those are related. We used to hear that the organization was not happy with our post games. We're like, it. You guys are like fourteen and forty eight. Like there, there's kind of no way for us to spin this. Thing. The best we can. Here. Like, wait, wait, what do you want? <laughs> like, I mean, lead a rock. Um, we don't often get to do breaking news, but um, and I say this. Uh, first of all, I guess if you are a, a person with with children nearby, you might want to have them turn away from the screen uh, because Kyle Kuzma tonight after the game, the Lakers come up with a really good is your dad is okay to say this aloud 105 100 oh, yeah. win um missing half their roster um as, as we mentioned before after the game Kuz, who was great in the fourth quarter uh i, I don't remember exactly how many points but i think it's like 15 in the fourth it was some huge number big bucket from lebron uh had this post game quote i'm not even sure this is quote of the year this might be quote of the decade <laughs> oh my god i am so happy right now <laughs> well i'll read this aloud for people this from oh, as reported no. by dan Wojcicki of the uh the la times got a blue check mark and everything and other people were putting this out kyle kuzma after the game i was pretty much eye fucking him to pass me the ball <laughs> uh when asked about the uh swing pass lebron threw to him in the corner for uh, the fourth quarter that's a first, right? Uh, it's all as, after as, dark. This is why West Coast games. I mean, yeah. this one's like, I never want to leave because I need to to stay in this uh, area where I can say these things. I, I love it. I'm heard here for it. I fucking in the really ever, but certainly in the uh, in the context of a basketball game. That it's is the quote of the definitely year. Definitely a term, but yeah. usually meant in a, a more romantic way. <laughs> I mean, he he may have just really wanted the ball, Haley. Yeah, that's <laughs> like it what it's might have been like. romantic from his perspective. <laughs> but you know what, though, like that's also how you know that Kuz, now in his third season with LeBron, is just feeling more comfortable. Mm-hmm. That like you can say something like that. That was something that we used to, uh, you know, write about or talk about. With you know, covering those Kobe teams was like. The, the guys that generally did best with Kobe were the ones that just were with him the longest. And like you would learn that, you know, you would miss him on an open play. And, you know, in Kobe's mind, he was always open. You should always get him the ball. 
and he would motherfuck you and then the sun would come up the next day and like it, it would be fine and then after a while you just you stop fearing any type of repercussions or whatever. And you know what though? I think Andy, I think it's more to do with the fact that these guys are really leaning into the comfort of Zoom chats. Like there is no way that he says <laughs> that the same way, you know, that I was I fucking LeBron. Um if we're all standing around his locker and they're like live TV cameras there. It does not happen. Like I we talk about like going back to normal. This is going to be the hardest thing that players have to adjust to going back to normal is not being able to say whatever the hell they want in these Zoom chat. The cursing level has gone way up over <laughs> the last eating, year. Eating uh, fried chicken during the Zoom channel with Giannis. <laughs> when Giannis heard that he was on uh, LeBron's oh, All-Star right. <laughs> game, just <laughs> Like grubbing on chicken <laughs> mid sentence, mid press conference, and he's not gonna be able to do that anymore. And that makes me kind of sad. These guys are all I, living the best lives. I know. I don't think the access is going to be the same ever mm. again. So I don't I think, think so either. Perhaps yeah. that some of that comfort will stay, which if we get more quotes like this, worth it. Well, not only that, it means I, you know, I can either leave the game right after and like watch the zoom chat on my way home or i can you know continue doing this from my living room there's some things about it that i kind of like to be honest with you mm -hmm. yeah you know it's, it's not the worst thing in the world no um, i am. i i want to ask miss you, it at all i want to ask you guys this because this this came up in in one of the the shows that you guys were doing that when you were talking about lloyd pierce um and even beyond like andy and i i think both keep up you know obviously with the nba and stuff, but you guys made a really interesting point about minority representation in the WNBA. Yeah. Specifically with black women coaches and how few there are. And there are two things about this that I, that struck me. The first one is, I think the number is two, correct? Or is it one? It's one. One. It's one. That shocked the, me. <laughs> I was shocked by that. And here's the part that it made me a little bit, both shocked and a little bit of a little bit ashamed. It hadn't occurred to me to think about it. Mm. And I and I not I, I thought a lot about naturally how many women coaches there are in the WNBA, but I hadn't thought about how many black women there were. So thank you, first of all, for yeah, just saying it aloud. So now you know the awareness is there. But how common do you think that is? And how big of a problem do you think that is that people don't look at black women in the WNBA as head coaching candidates and think about it and talk about it with the same amount of consistency that we do with male black coaches, you know, with, with, with the NBA or just white women or yeah, true. I think it's so interesting because, you know, both of those, why it's such a big problem is because it doesn't reflect the leagues mm -hmm. that, you know, the WNBA is, um, I think the numbers came out somewhere last year where it's almost 80% black women. So you don't have that representation on the coaching side and it's frustrating. You know, the players are even frustrated by it. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And for, um, you know, Dallas to, to make Vicki Johnson their the lone black woman. And there's only two black men in James Wade and Derek Fisher. Um, it, it's a problem, especially in the wake of, you know, the WNBA getting all this press of how 
woke the league is. That's what really surprised me about it. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's still an it's still an issue. And it still takes someone like Vicky Johnson, like I was talking about on the podcast, who was a 16-year veteran in the league and served nine seasons as an assistant coach for um she was a part of the Aces organization last. And it took her that much credibility to even really get a look. Um, so it's just bringing it up and bringing those numbers forward, making people more aware. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a problem in the league specifically because, you know, um, the New York Liberty had a first year coach. He was only in the WNBA. I think I need to fact check this, but only for about three years. This was his first coaching job and he got a head coaching job at the Liberty. And so that's where the players are saying, you know, there are so many assistant coaches that are black women that have either played in the league or have been a part of this league for over 10 years. And why aren't they even in that conversation? So you have um, you have coaches like the Minnesota head coach, which her name is escaping me right now, but she made a declaration like I'm only hiring women on my coaching staff like I'm not even going to hire men. I want more women in this league. So I'm going as a head coach and a GM of the Lynx, I'm going to make that declaration. And I feel like more people have to do that or the league itself has to kind of just hold each other to a higher standard, really. It's a, it's Cheryl Reeve. I just, I just, Cheryl Reeve. And to add to what Jordan's saying, I, I, I hope that in all leagues, especially after this summer, we start to separate the players are really the root of this progressive image and corporations leagues um, mm -hmm. are owned by millionaires, billionaires. So there's definitely a divide. Um, and then also the demographics of the people who are hiring these coaches. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. where a lot of it stems. And also, you know, with especially with black female coaches, it's the same as in all a lot of other careers as in life intersectionality often prevents them from getting a chance before men do before white women do so you know it's they're often the last given a chance and so that's why i think that number especially is so low but it has so much more to do with the demographics of people who are in charge it's the same with um the nba until and with college sports i was just talking to about this the other day until those athletic directors um in college until the gms and presidents until the owners um of professional leagues themselves have more diversity it's not a diverse league and it's not a progressive league mm -hmm. yeah i mean it, it speaks to just the importance of this being important to the people doing the hiring and like you know not just important like I think if you asked most of the people running these leagues and, you know, owning these teams, like, would they like to see more representation, like as a theoretical, I think their answer would be yes. And I actually believe them that as a theoretical, they would like to see it because there's no reason necessarily that they wouldn't, but you have to be willing to go outside whatever your own perceived comfort zone is to actually make it happen. Like you actually have to be, you actually, you have to be invested enough to be proactive. And I mean, that's, that's where I think potentially at least Renee Montgomery owning the dream becomes really important because this is something that I think is important to her. Like, you know, and, and, you know, she, 
you know, that whole team, what we saw with what happened with Kelly Loeffler, and I cannot thank them enough <laughs> for, for, for that. But yeah, like, and I, it seems to me like she could be a part of that. And it's just, it's interesting because I, I really do think that a lot of people involved with these leagues would like to see that happen. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I know that systemic racism plays a role in this, but I don't know how much active intentional racism is necessarily a hindrance, but unless you're looking to be a part of the solution and in some way take whatever would be considered a perceived risk, then even if, you know, outward racism isn't a problem for you, you're not actually solving it. You're just Mm -hmm. wanting to see it solved on somebody else's time. Yeah. And there, so much of this in the NBA and WNBA is perceived bias that you have no idea that you have. That's something that we all need to address. Um, and in your mind, someone who you think is more qualified, you have to ask, why do you think that? Um, Mm -hmm. and especially in the WNBA, I think it's also shocking because in the NBA, we've seen so much success that player coaches have had. So that's like the Brad Stevens and, um, and a lot of coaches who have also played before. And that's kind of like a better fit. I think now with these millennial players and younger players is, can you relate to me? Um, are we on the same level instead of being this like dominant screaming figure? Um, and so it's, it is surprising that they don't give players who are um, former players more of an opportunity in that aspect as well. And I think the biggest thing that they need to realize is that this is not for just diversity. This is because you need to face the fact that this is what's best for your team. Yeah. This is like, we'll give you the, the winning advantage. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's not a surface level, like face, um, oh, we're a diverse league. It, it shouldn't be for that. It's, it should it's not about be checking that you're... boxes. It's it's about exactly. actually looking for the best candidates, like a- right. actually making your team better. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, it, it's it's not just like diversity in terms of of race. It's actually diversity in, in finding the best, you know, expertise, best opinions, best perspectives. Like, there, there's a lot more that comes with diversity than just like exterior you know, again, checking a boxes mm-hmm. like that, that's actually the value of it. Yeah. How, how quickly yeah. do you think it can change? Just because, like I said, like for me, it was like, and there, like really and Haley, you, mentioned, you mentioned the amount of, uh, just female coaches period, which is lower than I thought it was just looking it up. Um, how much of it is, is talking about it and just saying these things out loud? Because like I said, I was a little ashamed of myself for not even knowing that that was a number. Yeah, I I think, you know, you talk about the Renee Montgomery's and um, even Tamika Catchings, you know, going into uh, the fevers higher up and going back into the organization after she's done playing. I would guess that a lot more players are going to do that because they are invested in this league. Like the women that are there, the 144 players that make roster spots, like they are invested in making the WNBA better and they want it to be better. So by doing that, it's speaking up and, um, you know, not only for the country, but for their league. And we saw that 
you know, the WNBA players have been doing that since the beginning. They have always been outspoken and it's not just a 2020 thing. So I think just as a league, they're going to continue to do that. And this is a part of that. You know, you have players going on the record saying, like, this needs to change. We want to see more women that look like us in these head coaching spots, in these GM spots, in ownership. And Renee Montgomery was like, okay, I do want to see that. I'm going to be that person. And I think more people are going to follow her lead. Hopefully, that, uh, hopefully that's uh, the case. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, we we had something come up earlier today um, that was kind of amazing in, in terms of just a, a Twitter exchange that we had um, where a concept, quite frankly, that I have never thought of became something that that I think we we all should, at least as a thought exercise. Andy, can you break this down a little bit? Because you yeah, are central I, to this. Yeah, I was uh, talking with uh, Sam es uh, Esfandiari, uh, yes. part of the whole Blue Wire family, and a couple other people on Twitter. And I don't remember how it came up, but one of them proposed the idea of their, their Giants fans, San Francisco Giants fans, uh, you know, if they could trade one of their championships for superstar player x would they do that and we started right. in this case it was fernando tatis jr they would trade what? the entire 2012 title team for fernando tatis jr <laughs> so we, we yeah so we started thinking about like okay what if teams could actually trade their championships for to another team and that team whoever receives it it becomes a legitimate championship for them they can put up that banner it counts for real and you can trade that for a superstar like, for example, if you're the Lakers and you've got 17 banners, like you've got a lot of championships to play with, and you're tr you are in the most win now mode. Like, you know, you want to capitalize on LeBron and Anthony Davis. I would trade one of these titles to get like John Morant, you know, someone like bring bring in Damian Lillard. I, I, I mean, you got 17, like, you, 16. But you got to decide. Like, would you do 2000? Like, I would trade 2009 for John Morant because, like, Done. it was over Orlando. That one didn't like. But are you trading 2010 <laughs> for John Morant? That's a tough one. Over the Celtics? I, uh, Jordan, I you go know. first because I, I don't have the team perspective. I just have a, No, a, I don't want to <laughs> All right, I'll say it. No, no, no disrespect to anyone who's involved in this conversation. <laughs> but this drives me insane. This section of NBA fandom. I'm like, what? I remember when there was the conversation about Kwai. And after the Raptors won, people were like in that free agency period where they weren't sure if he was going to stay. People were like, well, was it even worth it? Because now he's leading and da, da, da. The goal of this entire thing is to win championships. Of course it was worth it. That was a magical time for Raptors no doubt. fans. No they will doubt. love that forever. And even a team who's not the Raptors, who has a, a ton of championships, who's uh, been there before, and this is not entirely unique for them, that's what you're supposed to accomplish. This is the goal. Right. The entire when goal. When you've accomplished it that many times, so so what? But then what's the point? One of those titles the, for a superstar. The point is just more. to win another one. <laughs> it's. I'm just trying. You to already gave up one that you won, and it's not even guaranteed. <laughs> but, I just I, that it blows my mind that that was even this. You got to give a little to get a little, Haley. I mean, like <laughs> this is the way it works. I that I feel crazy. like. 
that's just a lot of pressure on that player that you bring in because they're like, you know, if they don't give you that title or they don't, you know, hold up to that promise, you're like, we gave up a championship trophy for you. Like no, that is I mean, always held there was over the their head. There was the same pressure though with like giving up Lonzo and Ingram and Josh right, Hart and good. all those picks with for Anthony Davis. Like what if they, what if they didn't win at all? With Anthony Davis, like people would They'd be looking still back. Have it all away. However many championships, <laughs> but like, look, like you could. I, I think the, like the the Minnesota titles, like the Minneapolis yeah. Lakers titles, like those oh, are yeah. the equivalent. I think of either like high second rounders or like the like the, all the twenty seventh picks that the that the Thunder currently have from around the yeah. league. Like you could package a bunch of those. Like even we, just this year for PJ okay, Tucker, and like you're not going to miss those. Like you're not going to. You miss are that. giving away what then you brag about later. You're like we've always been this. You, this is we have been winning since the start. That is nobody, you're building. Nobody cares the about the Mike in years. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, I was going to say it should be like a, a game. Jordan, Jordan so, has already mentally traded. Everything yeah, Jordan's like okay. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, okay. Here are wheels. You can see the wheels spinning. I know. Like, could we I get John Morant? I already, I already have an idea. I already have an idea. It should be like a survey. You should just survey Lakers fans, and if they the year that they get wrong of the championship that we have, then that's the one we give up. It's like no one even remembers it anyway. Let's give that one up for Ja. I, I yeah, I like that. I like that. Oh. Okay, like here's an example. If you're if you're the let's say you're Sam Presti with the Thunder, they have oh, that one championship from I think it's like seventy eight or seventy nine with the Sonics. I trade that thing in a heartbeat. Like everyone in Seattle hates us anyway. That's your like, only one. There's they're, they're near the fans group. aren't excited about it. Like they don't care. But I think like, that if, it's still important for a franchise to say we've won one. The difference between one and two is far less than zero and one because there's a group of teams that have never won. Okay. Well, now what you're if you're the, the argument for the Lakers, and Jordan's like, "Yes, you got. You're making my argument for you're me." You're the Knicks. All the Minneapolis ones out the door. Here we go. <laughs> you, you have two. The <sighs> most recent one, I think, is '73. That organization is so damn thirsty to win to get relevant again. Like, if you think Tibbs is going to wait around for that young group to develop, like they traded for Derrick Rose, like you already can see the wheels turning. He's absolutely trading like the 73 title to bring in a superstar to the Knicks. And and he should. I would do that. Like the fan yeah. base, nobody from the fan base even remembers it. Like you have to but be they a bring it up age. all the time as proof that one time they were good. <laughs> <laughs> then you take that away. And then <laughs> I don't know okay. if you should trust the Knicks for like, you know, trades or bargaining, <laughs> especially when there's a trophy involved. That gets a little dicey. What would you have to get in return for 2010? Jordan, 2010 was a good one. That like, was you know, a good that's one. Kobe beating the Celtics. That that's feels a kind revenge. of untouchable. Yeah, that's. I don't even. I don't know. I'm not like I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can put a package together where you can move that one. I don't think so. That's Kobe's last one. Like that's. Mm -mm. That one feels untouchable. It does. That one feels totally untouchable. But like. Okay, you, your grandma, like some of those 60s championships, like do you think she'd surrender one 
in order to like get Boston the help that they because they're you know you're, they've been they've been scuffling. <laughs> like if they could get like a young you know an A list superstar like an All NBA player, I mean like who cares? Right, about she's, she's, she's not all but there Boston with Brad Stevens. And, and LA oh, no. bring those up all the time. Like the end count is very important as well. Mm, in when you're matching up about. legacies. If you, call, if you if we called Anshirlene right this second, that's what she would bring up. <laughs> Please she don't wait. Like, she'd be um, like, why did you she is awake. <laughs> no, she is awake. She is a night owl. You know she watched that Lakers game, <laughs> waiting by the phone to call us if they lost. Okay. Do you agree <laughs> taking with- notes? <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with me that the Clippers would trade like a low first round pick for just one of the Lakers final appearances. Like they don't even have to take a championship, but like, like the 84 loss of the banner, just like if you just cut out like a corner of our banner, (laughs) they would trade something just to claim a title. Yes. But giving one away again, I will say it, it is the literally the entire point of this but, entire but, but thing. You you're investing in more. You're investing in more championships. The Lakers are like in mode. Yeah, it sounds like stocks. I'm like this. This has gotten too game stoppy for me. Let's back. <laughs> this is the real NBA Top Shot. This <laughs> is very Bitcoin of us. Where are you guys on Top Shot? Because. I, I mean, I'm, 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 be, I'm past the part where I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, I get it. Like, I understand like digital stuff and, you know, blockchain and all that. But like, do you still think that in a year or two years or three years, people will be spending $26,000 on rookie Ja Morant highlights? I don't know, but I'm a curious person. So I'm, I'm following it um, from afar. I'm like signed up on these crypto Mm-hmm. message boards i mean that's just very me and what we're hoping is very spencer's is like let's lurk and then <laughs> lurk. tell a story based on what we what we know so at this point i i have no idea um but it is very interesting and uh very like stock bro yeah for, for people who moment. don't know you guys it's not just a regular podcast too. like you know go back and listen to it they did great uh you guys did a great episode on Magic Johnson and what it really was like when he returned uh, to the league after his HIV diagnosis. Um, so, like, there's reported out stuff. There's also, like, you know, like Andy and I do it, just sort of two idiots talking about basketball. We <laughs> do it better. Um, uh, you do the non idiotic. Right. You do it in a non idiotic <laughs> form. But um, so, yeah, like, you, this would be three or four years from now a great look back story. I just, I don't, I don't, that's the part that I don't get is like, really, we're going to be super excited about owning this stuff, like talking to our friends at the bar about like, check out my highlight that I have custody over. Like, right. Because you could just talk about the highlight. That's what I don't get. And I've kind of checked out because I'm like, <laughs> we can just talk about and reminisce. Why is there money involved in the memories? Do either of you know anybody who's actually purchased something Top Shop? Who is yeah, connected I've, I've to NBA been connected media. with a couple of people and I've talked to them. And I think this actually gets into something very philosophical and also something that is psychological because it, it strikes a lot of people and takes their interest. But there is this phenomenon with crypto that has obviously expanded now with into the NBA with Top Shop where people have noticed that they can create value out of nothing. And that is essentially what this is. And that is a hobby for them and also a way that 
that they see that they can make money. So for me, that's pretty frustrating um, because again, I'm with Jordan. I'm like, I can just pull it up on YouTube at the bar. But, but yeah. I, I think that that's really the root of it is there's an ability to create worth out of something that is yeah. it's fat. In, it, not even you're part, able to yeah. hold. So yeah, that's, it's just, which weird. is true of a lot of things. I mean, we only, you know, we give value to all sorts of things that don't necessarily have it unless we decide. But uh, this, this to me is a, is an inter is a strange one. And I am completely fascinated. I'm not buying any of it, but I'm like literally buying any of it, but I'm, I'm completely fascinated by it. So, um, before we let you guys go, I, for people who might've missed it earlier, the, the single greatest moment in media history happened, at least, at least in the 21st century happened earlier as Kyle Kuzma explained how he got the ball tonight from, um, LeBron, LeBron. James. I actually like people have started posting the clip too. Oh yes. <laughs> Asking to you there. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we were looking at each other the, the entire possession. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty much a pretty much high fucking basketball. ball. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he found me and uh, uh, made shot. <laughs> so a pretty straight face, which is kind yeah, of wild. Well, sort of, but then like watch his expression afterwards. Like, and, uh, <laughs> you know, he found me and uh, uh, made shot. I'm gonna rub my neck. Let's <laughs> go to Dan Wakey. Hmm. <laughs> Let's go to oh Dan Wakey. <laughs> my goodness. Like, you, just, oh, like, wow. you just like this is one of those times where you're in PR going, oh my God. Did he just do that? <laughs> and I think even he just realized what he did like afterwards yeah. with that little neck rub. Like I think I just said I fucking impressed. <laughs> it's a great Did line I say that out he, loud? <laughs> he should not be fined. He should not be fined. No, he oh, should have I can't put... imagine that they would find some over No, that. he should have more Adam money. Adam Silver doesn't even know what account. that means. <laughs> more money. Direct deposit hits. Yes. But it was because he says that. Like that it's, should be his early stimmy. <laughs> like just that <laughs> they should actually at the beginning of it could be set to music he was talking about how we were kind of we were looking at each other all the way down it was very like you know sliding doors kind of rom-com to it yeah um, so maybe it was romantic yeah you were right <laughs> I'm Haley. all about it I'm all about it <laughs> alright so explain to us give us like a, like how often should we be expecting spinsters episodes when does the next one happen what 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 can people do other than as we say subscribe to spinsters wherever podcasts are found uh, we actually are we drop episodes every Tuesday this coming Tuesday we have something we are so excited about we have our first contributor and it's really just I can't wait to share it. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at spinstersbw. And yeah, anything else, Jordan? You want to do the whole like follow us a, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> yes. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitchers, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is there a Beautiful. hint that you can drop about this this contributor? Um, I will just say if you like dunking, you will like this story. Yes. Like it's it. Andy. You're having Andy on. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. This whole thing wow. has been a ploy to get you guys to. <laughs> wow. You wow. just asked. <laughs> uh, Jordan Liggins Very and Haley O'Shaughnessy. It is a great, like, the world has a lot of uh, podcasts that are coming online. Uh, this is one that is absolutely worth listening yes. to and worth yes. subscribing to. It's really good. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yes, thank you for having us. 
Uh, next week, no shows. We're going, we're going on spring break. Woo! Uh, we we use a little break. <laughs> Tired. You want to see your frogs? Whistles and tequila and stuff. Um, all right. We'll sit back. Everybody have a good... That was awkward. We're, we're all gonna, everybody have a good weekend. We'll talk Donk to you soon. Donkey Needle on. <laughs>